1: This is the Conquer Local Podcast, a show about billion-dollar sales leaders, marketers leading local economic growth, and entrepreneurs that have created their dream organizations. We want to share their secrets, giving you the distilled version of their extraordinary feats. Our hope is, with the tangible takeaways from each episode, you can rewire, rework, and reimagine your business. I'm George Leith. On this episode, we're very proud to feature Andy Crestodina, Many years ago, Andy joined a roommate from high school and began building websites. To this day, he's never pivoted. He co-founded Orbit Media Studios and now has a team of 48 with $7 million in annual revenue. His bi-weekly LinkedIn newsletter has grown at a substantial rate. Starting in February this year, with now 120,000 subscribers, he's cemented himself as a thought leader in the digital marketing and website space. Get ready, conquerors. Andy Crestadina is coming up next on this week's episode of the Conquer Local Podcast. Andy Crestadina joining us from the beautiful metropolis of Chicago. I don't say this every time, Andy, I miss the odd city that I used to travel to. Chicago is one of those. I fell in love with Chicago the first time that I went there and uh, you're, you're taking good care of that city, I'm sure. Doing
0: my best. Uh Chicago's doing pretty well overall and um, it's a great place to call home.
1: It's a fantastic city. Well, thanks for joining us. In the intro, we talked about you and your organization, but I'm, I'm excited today because we are talking to one of the marketing greats that is out there, um, and your company, Orbit Media Studios, congratulations on all the success. I, I want to ask this question. Um, you have 48 people, and you guys are building websites, and, and that's what you're doing. But we're, we're going to talk about account-based marketing in a few minutes. But let's talk about website. That's a tough frigging business. And you guys have been doing it for a long time. You're doing a hell of a job. How? How is that possible, Andy?
0: Oh, you got to have passion for the work and for people. It's 100% people-based business. Uh, I grew up working in a restaurant, so it feels like that a lot of days. It's like very much service-focused. Uh, you got to pay attention. You got to really sweat the details. There's a ton of little things that have to go well for a web page to even load. Um, and just uh, be empathetic. Be empathetic to the client who is in many cases making an almost emotional decision when approving a deliverable. And ultimately, bottom line, you know, the blood sport of digital comes down to empathy for the audience. We' got to know who we're talking to, what their information needs are, what their fears are, what objections we have to address, how to add evidence and social proof to these pages. And guide the eye, web design is mind control. Our job is to create a visual hierarchy that guides the eye through a series of messages where the person just gets more trusting, more clarity, more excitement, click to f- become a lead. And that's, that's the game. You know, the one thing that
1: I noticed in, in the way that you explained, that was well done, by the way, the way that you explained it, because you, uh, you have my trust now, I want to learn more. How, how have you been able to navigate that world where the client doesn't really know what they want Even if they say, I know exactly what I want, like, how are you able to inject the things that you know are going to work? Because a lot of times what the client thinks they want and what's going to get the job done are a long ways apart, I've found.
0: Well, there's, uh, it takes a lot of conversation. uh, And again, it takes trust. So one of the things to remind people of during these processes is that digital ink is never dry. None of the decisions we're making are permanent, set in stone. We can always go back. Websites are very easy to change. Many of the things that feel like they're high stakes in the moment are actually can be changed in two seconds at no cost forever. Um, Another is to just remind people that there is no one right answer. There's lots of ways to do this. And if you just think, again, empathy about the visitor, what their their moment of truth was that brought them here, what's the true story in their life, how would they perceive each of these navigation labels, successfully guiding them deeper... And really, every one of the best practices that we apply is just a good hypothesis. Best practices are just hypotheses. So we're going to find out post-launch exactly how people interact with the site. We're going to use analytics to see the visitor behavior data. And that can guide uh, improvements over time. So it's really just explaining the logic behind all the decisions. It's all for a purpose. Uh, There's not one way to do it, but... Let's just keep in mind that uh, we're being deliberate about all these dozens or hundreds of choices that are made during every web design process. I'm, I'm almost
1: reading that you, you set the stage that this is going to be iterative. We're going to mm. we're going to try some things based upon experience and the hypothesis that we have, but we don't know yet. And we're going to show you what's working and what's not. Is that like that you talked about
0: proof? That's it. That's it. So um, we know very well uh, how a visitor will perceive a homepage header or a navigation label or a call to action. Uh, we've done we do tests all the time, so we have a lot of data about what works well. I can tell you what is our top performing call to action based on the last twenty five tests we ran, but that doesn't mean that it's going to work every time or for this client. So um, explain, uh, teach, um, kind of um, you know build confidence that that these things are. Uh, just a just a moment in time and that this you know no website's ever technically finished. Uh, but that's it it's just um it's a project management company and it's a project management job. So you need dedicated project managers who can explain these things very well.
1: And and that you you hit it off the top there where you said communication. I think that where I see yeah. people really fail on this is a complex thing. It's not an easy thing. It it and is. and you may know exactly what's going to work, but correct me if I'm wrong. What you're what you're saying is it's in that early discussion and ongoing discussion where you set the stage for that we might need to make changes. We're going to try that pretty much. know though, don't you?
0: Well, I had a conversation yesterday with the client that wanted to have their navigation all be tucked away in the hamburger icon, even for desktop visitors to show the three little lines in the corner. You've seen this before. Um, I would never normally do that. I would not recommend that. You want to help the visitor know instantly that they're in the right place and the visitor's eyes will quickly go to the main navigation and look at those labels. Does that mean it's a bad decision? It does not mean it's a bad decision to use the hamburger icon for the desktop experience. So I told them, here's what we recommend. Uh, We can do whatever we want to. It's your website. I'm not going to push you into an option. Here's why I recommend that. But if you feel strongly about this, we can definitely try that. And in some, I mean, there's a, a decent case in that example that it could be a good idea, um, but uh, you know, what's the downside? What's the risk? What are the pros? What are the cons? That's just a conversation.
1: I, I had to ask about the website because you know we in our audience, there's a lot of people that sell websites, um, and we've got a lot of entrepreneurs that probably need a better website experience. So I, I wanted to ask that because obviously you are an expert in that space, and thank you for those learnings. But now I want to tackle. A, B, M. And if we could put like an echo on that and, you know, maybe like some noise. and A, B, M. <laughs> i, I M, um, M. I'm out myself and uh, Elon Musk, never met him by the way, but uh, we're trying to kill acronyms and I've mm. kind of taken that on. Uh, I was training some new sales reps in our company yesterday in an hour and, and I was like, okay, list off all the acronyms that you've heard in the last three weeks since you started. And then they're like, oh, there's so many of them. Um, so ABM stands for account-based marketing, but what I'd like to understand and that acronym and and it's been around Mm -hmm. for a while, what do you think it is? Because you are one of the experts in this space, 120,000 people go to your newsletter on LinkedIn, um, on your regular cadence. So you're an expert, Andy,
0: what is it? Unlike traditional content marketing, which is ranking for key phrases, posting on social media, sending newsletters and getting traffic from those traditional sources of search, social, and email. And then hopefully some percentage of those people become a lead, and then you qualify that lead after they've converted, you know, taking an action on the website, hit the thank you page. Uh, that's fishing with a net. <laughs> so you just got a lot of fish and see who swims in today. Uh, it's a passive thing in some ways. You know, all of those, you're sort of hoping for the visitor to take the first step. You need to create a lot of awareness so that the, you know, like, the people who really need you and who you can really help uh, do swim into that net that day. Um, And that's how we've generated, you know, we generate like 900 leads a year that way. And we, you know, 7 million in revenue through mostly that approach, but ABM is the opposite. It's fishing with a spear. You begin by identifying the people that you really want to meet that you really can, if you reach them, if you persuade them, they're highly likely to need your help uh, because they have the job title. They're in the industry uh, they're in the, you know, they meet your, your, I'll avoid the acronym, your ideal client profile. <laughs> you know, you've heard this one, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So now you're going to create contents. So, and, and what I'm doing here really is account-based content marketing. I'm a content marketer. So I'm not using fancy technology. I'm not buying a big piece of software. I'm not, I'm not, um, you know, there's no advertising involved. I'm simply producing a custom piece of content specifically for this tiny audience people with senior level job titles at companies of a certain size, companies in a certain industry. And that, that, that content is so compelling. It's like research on common mistakes people are making people just like you, people in your field, people who, who work with your type of clients. And then it's catnip, right? They're going to see, I'm I'm going to reach out to them individually, one-on-one I'm in LinkedIn. I'm contacting people through, through direct messages people who are already in my network. So um, this is an example of, this is the 11 millionth example of where it helps to have a good social media network. And then inviting them, just inviting these people who are already highly qualified. So I did one last week. Uh, It was about a 10 hour project to get together the webinar and the research and the slides and uh, put it all together. I had a total of seven attendees, George. Am I sad? Is that a failure? Uh, in normal content marketing, that would be a huge miss. <laughs> nope, two of them asked for follow up meetings and want to and uh, want to talk to me about their projects. So it's a uh, quantity doesn't matter. It's about quality. 100% sales marketing alignment, zero waste marketing because you are beginning with an audience that is extremely qualified.
1: Well, I, I was anticipating and hoping that this is where you would go. And thank you for using an example like that, because you're right. When we start on that, we're going to, we're going to let our customers pick us. We're going to put out the very best version of us and hopefully they find us. And you know, that type of thing, this is you actually picking the customers and you got seven qualified people that you already know have a need Mm -hmm. for your product or solution. Like that
0: is, that's amazing. I was hoping for 25. (laughs) We had 30 registrants, seven attendees live. Anyone who registers, you can, you know, you can potentially follow up with, uh, you know, you take the event, so this is a webinar. So you take the event landing page, the registration page and flip it into the, you know, post the recording and post the slides. And by the way, George, like a lot of content marketing, it has durability, no matter who I meet for the next three years, who meets that, that profile, I can send them the same piece of content, the same landing page, the same video, the same slides, the same piece of research. It's new research that we did for these, um, so, yeah, it is. Uh, you, you said it well. Uh, I'm not waiting for them to pick me. Uh, I'm contacting them with something that is so eminently relevant to who they are that um, it and and it does so well at demonstrating expertise uh, that you only need a very small number of attendees to turn into uh, qualified meetings. My my hypothesis on
1: this is that, you know, you're putting a lot like you said, 10 hours. It, it, you might be underestimating in my opinion because those are the people you really want to talk to. Like they're, they're the ones that you would kill to get that lead through an inbound motion. So, but it's a lot of work. Like this, this is not for the faint of heart. It's, you know, it, you got to put the work in and I think you mentioned that, but let's, let's unpack what you said. It lives for a
0: long time. If the it content does. is built well. It does. Uh, it was 10. O- it was for sure 10 hours of my time to put together. It- uh, and a, a, at least uh, there are other people involved. Um, there's our uh, marketing director and she has to program the event and set up the registration page and um, all of the webinar uh, technical mechanics. And then there's the, the guy, I got a new business lead. He's like a client success guy. And, and uh, he did a lot of outreach on his own. He right. built lists. season. So I think altogether, these are like 20 hour projects at least we've done, I think five of them so far and uh the revenue that I can definitely attribute to this is about $170,000. It's incredible without question effective. Um, and it's one thing I like about it is that you don't have to be a big brand. You don't have to have a big body of work. You don't have to wait for the content marketing flywheel to kick in, which takes you know more than a year sometimes. So it's a, it's an equalizer. I love it for that reason.
1: You said zero waste marketing and I, you know, I'm like, that sounds uh, environmentally friendly. Uh, zero waste what what do you mean by zero waste marketing
0: well that's a term that we used years ago when we realized that by that we could during the process of creating content involve our, our prospects or involve influencers or clients or uh so let's say I'm writing an article about um some marketing technology article uh there's a journalist that I've always wanted to meet I can contact that person during the content creation process ask them for a contributor quote and I just use the 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 act of creating this article as a networking opportunity. I got value even before it went live. I know that it's getting value. You can also reach out to cold prospects and ask and in, include them in your content by asking for contributor quotes. You can reach out to new prospective clients. You can reach out to the people you'd hope to collaborate with in other contexts. So anything that you do where the uh, creating the act of creating it or the the targeting of it when during promotion is. Uh, so direct that you know, even if there's only one page view in analytics for this, it was with that person that uh, where you know you used it for networking.
1: You know, one thing that I've noticed um, in in our organization, we have a very large demand gen organization to drive our inbound leads. Um, we, you know, we've made the mistake. Um, probably me made the mistake of mashing those two things together. So you take, Hey, this is the inbound demand team. We're going to get them to do some ABM over here, but it's so bloody different. Mm -hmm. Am I right in that? Or is that just the experience that we've had? No,
0: I I think it is. uh, They may not uh, be naturals at this. It's really much closer to the sales team. So let's say the say, I mean, people doing sales, they know very well, the most common questions are what the biggest objections are what the best answers are what the best data points are so your job is to really create content in collaboration with the sales team they're going to be on the webinar they're going to be listening they're going to be writing down the questions they're going to see who engaged they're going to see who dropped out they're going to follow up in different ways with different people normal inbound marketer it's like post and pray right you just put it up there and think something happens or it doesn't and then you do it again Andy, you said something there.
1: I got to interrupt you because you said something that was really interesting to me. And because that, you know, look up sales dictionary picture of me. But what, what I'm finding is if the marketing team runs the webinar, it it misses part of ABM because I think what ABM is, is you're actually doing the demo. Like you're, you're down the funnel. Yeah. You've, you brought the, it's not like we're getting these prospects, to the top, a whole bunch that are going to fall out of the funnel, like an inbound motion. This person should be buying what we have. And they're going to buy it from somebody. So you need to have somebody in sales in there. It's interesting you said that because I think that that's where we maybe made some mistakes in in our experience. And I've saw others make that mistake where they're like, we're going to take the inbound team and they're going to do some ABM. No, you need to get sales closer to this because you're dealing with a lead that is, you're actually answering some of the objections during the webinars that would have normally been
0: done on a demo. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah. I mean, imagine if you had a conference and you had a bunch of people attend. And, the, and your sales team stayed home that'd be terrible right you'd want them in the room god I, never, made <laughs> I made that, that <laughs> mistake i made that mistake you want them in there because their their job is to build these relationships and the the audience is captive for that short time so you can listen you can find out what they care about you can you can almost i mean webinars are harder you can't really read their faces but uh if you find, if there's someone on the webinar that asks a question and it's answered or it's not now you know something about that specific person's information needs. It, an ideal client profile member has an information need that you know of. Your next action, a salesperson knows exactly what to do with that. You know who to talk to. You know what to talk about. It's gold. So yeah, you you have to be there to, uh, to or else you'll miss the chance uh, to build that relationship, which is after all the whole point of the content anyway.
1: Are the are the ABM deals that you're that you're bringing forward through this motion, do you find them to be larger deals than, than what's happening on the
0: inbound side of the business? Well, the size of the leads are larger because a great percentage of leads in web design are for extremely low budget clients. Uh, There are DIY tools that push down expectations for price to near zero. So when you get a lead as a web design company, you're going to, you know, there's a decent chance that that lead is for such a small amount. We're doing, you know, 70, 80, hundred thousand dollar websites. These are complex projects with six experts working for 400 hours or something like that. Like there's like tons and tons of work to do as we started from the jump. But, but, uh, in ABM, you have uh, pre-qualified these people based on the basis of the size of their business. 0% of the attendees will expect that a website costs $5,000 or whatever the service might be, you know? So, so they are, uh, somewhat vetted in the fact that, you know, you, they were on your list to begin with. I, um, our
1: teams are, are embarking on one to many webinar, uh, motions because we have some customers that, you know, you can't put a human being on every call because they're, they're smaller clients. And, um, I, I remember when we, over the years, and I've been at this in, in the software business for about 10 years and we were doing some webinars and five people would show up. And I, I came from the broadcast business. I want like 500 people. Like I, I don't show up for five people, <laughs> but I I, I justified it by saying to the CEO who's like, you only got five people that showed up. I said, that's five one-hour calls I didn't have to have. I got mm. four hours back. Is is that something you're feeling as well, that it, it's it's efficient in a way that, and, and do you find that the people on the webinar kind of sell themselves as well? They build a little bit of tribe while you have them there?
0: Yeah, I, that's how I thought about it. George, it's an important point because in my early career, I went to networking events. And, you know, over plus travel time, you know, Over a couple of hours, I talked to three or four people. Later, I learned that I could attend conferences and maybe give a presentation. In an hour, I talked to 100 people. Then I learned that eventually, um, with some risk and some investment and and, uh, growth, I could run my own conference. And now I've got 500 people in the room. So the efficiency is definitely part of content marketing. It normally takes the flywheel effect before you know that when you write an article, you'll likely get 1,000 visitors on it. When you give a webinar, you'll likely get dozens of visitors, dozens of attendees. Uh, Produce a video, put it on YouTube, promote it well. You'll have thousands of views on that over time. Content marketing is super, super efficient. That was my goal when I first started content marketing. I knew I needed to keep in touch with thousands of people over long periods of time because you only need a website every four years. (laughs) I'm in the lumpiest industry of all time, right? You don't need us in between. Yeah. So how do I keep in touch with lots of people, demonstrate expertise from a distance, basically put all these people on autopilot, just as if I was calling them up. But uh, account- based content marketing is uh, has some of that same benefit. I mean all content marketing has that benefit of extreme efficiency when it works well. but in this case it's efficiency for so much more of a targeted audience that you can skip the, the you get greater sales efficiency because the qualification process is already done.
1: One of the things that I was thinking when I was reading the show notes that producer Brett put together was zero waste marketing. I believe that everything you're doing in these webinars and the lead up to the webinar will just help your inbound demand motion.
0: Is is that part of it as well? Yeah, you know what? Even it's a good point. Even if they don't attend, right. even if they ignored my message in LinkedIn, it was still a touch point. It's like people who say, "Oh, I sent e- I sent an email and my click through rate, you know, was only ten percent." Actually, just getting the email was a touch point. It's like saying, "Oh, I ranked high for a phrase, but I got low click-through rate." Even just seeing you in search results, you know, can help reinforce that that person was already somewhat brand aware. So you'll never know. You, you know, attribution is hard for these reasons. You don't know what you know. How many people have you in the back of their mind right now? But no, I don't. I, I think that um, uh, measuring the attendees only, I, th- I think it's a problem, especially these days. You know, if you're measuring the number of attendees, you may be tracking the wrong metric and um, kind of you know, hurting your ability to be strategic about, the you know, the true outcome and benefits of these actions.
1: Well, and just imagine somebody even land on the website and seeing that you do webinars. Um, yeah. it, it adds a level of trust to the organization. And then I go to a, a so-called competitor, right? Because you don't have any competitors. You guys are great. But they don't have that component. You're like, oh, so I, I'm starting to be skeptical right now because Andy has this. It's, you know, it's a really good point. And we, you know, we all have CEOs and CFOs that are, that are saying, okay, that money I gave you, what did I get out of it? And, and you're like, well, I ran these webinars and these channels and, and we're looking for volume. But in this motion, what I hear you saying is it's more about who you can get on the other side of the microphone for the webinar and the value that they might bring, because you're not selling a thousand dollar website here. You're selling a hundred thousand
0: mm-hmm. dollar websites. Yeah. It's not how many, it's how good, it's how qualified it's who. So that's that's uh that's exactly what it comes down to. Uh, when, when I saw how few people were attending, um, I took a breath, and it's it, 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 this happens to us all the time, right? And by the way, if you're a serious player in any category, you're going to fail a lot. Period. No matter what, we all fail. Anyone who does sales, of course, no, we're all going to fail most of the time. That's normal. It's fine. Um, but it, in the end, uh, you know, a week later, I'm seeing these meetings on my calendar, and I know it wasn't a failure. But it's really hard for me, especially, like considering my background in 14 years of content strategy to like to not care about the numbers. Um, and, and it, you know, it's just more about the love. Right. It's just it's about the quality of their experience. And you don't know, maybe, there, you know, one of those attendees was in a conference room where there were six people watching.
1: hmm. No, that's right it might be a much larger audience than than you thought mm-hmm. um that your your LinkedIn newsletter which comes out bi-weekly 120 thousand subscribers um, I'm I've just adopted the the LinkedIn newsletter format myself and it, by the way one of the best things I ever did 3,000 subscribers in like a week but I'm sitting here going I'm losing to Andy and I, I don't wake up to lose very often how did you do it how did you build that
0: audience that's amazing well uh I yours will be that big um, we started in February and watched it grow probably at about the same rate. Yours is growing. Uh, like LinkedIn, about a hundred
1: every three days is what I'm seeing. Like, yeah.
0: It's something like, yeah, it's strong. It, and um, so it's
1: got to do with the algorithm, I think.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think w- there's a couple of things that we did that I think have made it more effective. One is that we gave it a really boring, but specific name. It's called digital marketing tips. So I've seen people who do LinkedIn newsletters. It's like, what's inside Brian's brain? Like. If I see that call to action, I don't know who Brian is. Like people are just naming things in sort of brandy, you know, no vague, nondescript names. So uh, I knew that that would help because someone sees that, they know what it is. It's specific enough that it sounds like it has some utility. Um, And then uh, I have just been consistent with the quality. And it's mostly, I'm going to confess now, I'm basically just repurposing old articles, some of which were published years ago. Each of which I put, I mean, I spend 10 hours on average on an article. So these are long form, super detailed, highly visual, step-by-step, insanely practical content, the best that I could do every two weeks. Um, But I have a virtual assistant that just copies and pastes in previous things that we know got traction and had a good headline and and visitors engaged with. uh, And then clicking send and it becomes a LinkedIn post and it starts conversations. And I get a lot of feedback. Thank you. Thank you. Amazing. So helpful. Very grateful. Uh, This is, you know, I'm leveling up my skills thanks to you. So it's really a repurposing slash syndication strategy. But uh, yeah, if you see that button, create newsletter, click it, and uh, I recommend giving it a really boring but specific name.
1: I'm going to change my name of the triumphant to something more boring. And thank you for that for that advice. I I do want to ask this question, though. I, when I saw what was going on there, I think LinkedIn is kind of prioritizing this
0: because it's the new feature that they brought out, which doesn't surprise us, does it? Oh, Their traffic must be through the roof. They're sending millions of emails a day, inviting people onto the platform. So they are empowering creators. They basically made it so that we are all suddenly doing this, you know, devil's bargain and building on rented land. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: That's what happens, right? You don't get there. I suppose if you hired uh, hired one of these companies to like scrape the data, you could go through each subscriber and find their email addresses and pull them out, which I've never done anything like that, but we're really just um, uh, leveraging LinkedIn's willingness to give us this visibility at such a low cost. But uh, again, this is one of those moments where digital marketers are doing a trade-off and deciding to give power to digital giants and big tech and monopolies. So, uh, I recommend it, but, uh, I'm realistic about it. I'm not kidding myself. Uh, these aren't, I don't have these people. These people did not actually subscribe to my own email newsletter.
1: No. And, and that was the first thing when I saw the numbers go up, I'm like, hey, what do I, what am I getting here? What type of a reader am I getting? And then I went through the, cause you can see the list. There's a bunch of people I'd like to run some account-based marketing on because they're, you know, I know their ideal profiles, so I, I do like that that I can see that the subscriber
0: and and who they are. Good for you. Uh, I think that's again one of the benefits of having of uh, being early in a process. I remember when I was just getting started with email marketing, I would watch that list carefully. If I got a new subscriber, I might go look them up. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a guy named Chris Gillabo who famously uh, every time he got a new subscriber for his first. 10,000 subscribers. He emailed each person and asked them what they would like to learn from him. I love that. No, I love that. Let's get a robot and do that. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. What would you like me to write about for you? What would be the most helpful thing I can do for you? And, uh, Very different experience.
1: Andy, you said something earlier in the episode that I didn't forget because I got a horrible memory now, but, um, you said something about I'm in the lumpiest business of all time. And you know, that's web, web sales. Like when you sell a website, you eat. And then you don't eat for a while. Um, If you were to give our listeners that, you know, are maybe thinking of, I want to sell more websites and I want to do what Andy does. Is there, is there a bit of advice as to how you've removed some of that lumpiness and, and, you know, built like this is a hell of a business that you've built with your team of 48 and $7 million in annual recurring revenue. And you have stuck with a tough industry. So what what advice would you have for our listeners?
0: Well, that that is actually the problem is that it's not recurring revenue and it's a 85% project based. So one thing is to, uh, to do ongoing marketing to your current clients to keep in touch. So earlier today, I wrote five birthday cards, happy birthday websites, one year old, happy birthday websites, two years old. And that's going to be part of like an account, like an automatic drip campaign that will send annual things, congratulating people, asking them to, you know, asking to reach out. And then just look for the adjacent services that you can offer that that even out the revenue with some kind of monthly something. So we finally added SEO, and that helps. But you need a line of credit. You need a huge pipeline for leads. You need to, uh, you know, your whole team is going to want to, um, you, know, keep, uh, you know, keep getting raises. And uh, so you're going to have to keep nudging up your prices and moving upstream. The good news about web design is that there are some people who expect to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars because... They're a significant business. But um, one final tip, build out your support team. Staff a team of support people who are dedicated to support. Because the likelihood that this person is going to come back and ask for your help in three to four years is going to be based on how well you took care of them in the interim. People love or hate their web companies not based on design or programming or copywriting or the brand. They love it based on how responsive that company was 18 months later when they called. So if you have a, if you don't have a dedicated team for that, they're going to bleed your, your, your past clients will bleed time away from your project team, which kills margin. Uh, You know, just build a, build a dedicated team for support and get that team to break even in the long run, it'll be profitable in terms of client retention.
1: Well, that mic drop right there. Let's just drop the mic and be done. Andy Crestedina, the CMO and co-founder of Orbit Media Studios, joining us from the uh, metropolis of Chicago. Isn't Chicago metropolis in the Superman movies?
0: Wasn't it shot there? (laughs) I don't know. I think maybe because Gotham was the bet was New York. There's like Gotham metropolis. I'm not a DC guy. I'm
1: more of a Marvel guy. So I definitely know that the Avengers was filmed in Chicago.
0: Yeah. Well, the Spider-Man movies have been shot here. Different things. Chicago's a very photogenic city with a ton of uh, films shot here. But um, yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I'm glad you you have some love for this place. It's a it's a, a wonderful town in a lot of ways that, un, you know, 20 miles of park right on the lake. There are zero cities in the world that have public parks all on their most valuable land for the 20 mile strip of the entire coast. Um, the so, Gold yeah. Coast. Gold coast, Lincoln park. It's gorgeous. It's a great place. Uh, and, um, it's doing fine, uh, during COVID it's, uh, we're hanging in there and, and this was fun. Thanks George for having me on.
1: Andy, we really appreciate the learnings, you know, that of the, the folks that listen to our show on a regular basis, they're out there doing this. Like they're working with business people. They're not selling maybe 70 or a hundred thousand dollar websites, but you, you definitely gave us a lot to think about and to apply. So we really appreciate your time and go subscribe to Andy's boring name on his newsletter with some great content there. And uh, we'll make sure that we put all the contact information in the show notes if people want to reach out and and follow your content online. We appreciate your time and have a great evening. Thanks, George. Bye-bye. Can't thank Andy Crestadino enough for sharing his stories this week. Here are our team's top three takeaways from this episode. How do you meet what you know will work with what the clients think they need? And the big thing to remember from Andy is that digital ink is never dry. I love that line. Explain the logic behind the decisions you make and provide data as you go along. Marketing and sales teams must collaborate. Don't post and pray. Involving sales means you get the ground level desires and objections to include in your marketing and keep in mind that those webinar attendees, if you're using Andy's formula for account-based marketing, they're deeper in the funnel. They're going to need a sales rep to be involved in the conversation because they're not top of funnel leads. They're not just doing qualification and education. They're actually starting to experience the solution when they get into those deep webinars. If you liked Andy's episode discussing account-based content marketing, let's continue this conversation. Here are a few more relevant episodes from our Corpus of Conquer Local podcast to listen to the next time you're enjoying a coffee or sitting in the car or walking the dog. Check out episode 434, Outsourced Marketing. Joining your client's team with Stephanie Krumenacker. Episode 225, Websites, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly with my good friend Jillian Alls. Episode 311, Discipline Leads Results, with my other good friend, Steve Whittington. Those are just three of the over 200 episodes we produced in the last four years to help you conquer local. If you found value in today's episode, please leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. The feedback that you post online helps our team grow and better adapt to what you want to hear in Season 5 be sure to subscribe to the award-winning Conquer Local podcast as we continue to welcome extraordinary sales leaders, marketers, and entrepreneurs. My name is George Leith. I'll see you when I see you. You've been listening to the Conquer Local podcast presented by Vendasta.
0: Guest discovery by Jacob Soli Marketing by Rory Lawford and Nicole Lozon. Produced by Brett Clarenbach. Executive producers
1: Brendan King, George Leith, and Colleen McGrath. Recorded at Sound Lounge by T-Bone.